All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice. It only. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network Podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted him in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season, and that 
will get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic. Chris, those brand new Upper Deck Series 1 cards are out, and Zephyr Epic has them. You go check them out, ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic on all platforms. They you also can use, uh, apparently, you can use the promo code in store. That's the rumor on the street, too. I was just going to say, there's Five a bucks re- off. retail location in Surrey. Go check them out. You tell them Canucks Convo sent you. You tell them you're using promo code Hockey Season. Capital H, capital S. I'm not sure if you have to say that. You have to say that. In, or, in person, you have to say capital H, capital S, all one word. Don't say anything and just play this part of the podcast where okay. I tell the Zephyr Epic employee, hey, they're using promo code hockey season. $5 yeah. off your sure. order. The best part about Zephyr Epic, our favorite part about Zephyr Epic, is that they ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from... From Callwood to Collingwood. From Callwood to Collingwood. That's a good one. That is a good one. Zephyr Epic ships free. Do you know where Callwood is? What? Do you know where Callwood is? No. In BC? Is it really? Yep. Isn't Collingwood? Collingwood's Ontario. But Callwood or Callwood is uh, like a a smaller part of Victoria. Like a surrounding area of Victoria. I know you don't take the SkyTrain much, but as soon as you said Collingwood, for some reason, I was like, oh, that's Joyce. Joyce Collingwood Station. Okay. I don't know that. In Vancouver. No, it's not that. It's on. It's Ontario. <laughs> Callwood yes. to Collingwood. That's a really good one. Or is Joyce Collingwood in South Burnaby? Get to the get to the next one here. I'm not doing. <laughs> Go a check out our talk. friends uh, at Zephyr Epic. Z e p h y r Epic on all platforms: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. Go give them a follow. Keep up to date on all the latest with all of your trading card needs. We're also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code ConvoDD. Capital C, capital D's, all one word. ConvoDD. That will get you. 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Quadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place before a shift at Sportsnet, Chris Faber. Yeah, bright and early here on our recording day. You're a little bit late, as per usual. Ah, whatever. I, w- I got here, okay? I got here. That's all okay. that matters. That's true. I was bright. I was early. I left. Uh, normally, I don't leave at the time that I actually tell you. But I did leave at the time I actually told you today, and I was uh, bright and early here. Haven't had a coffee this morning. Nothing. I've just wow. been drinking water because I keep seeing these videos, and they're all like about oh how to have more energy in your life, how to lose weight, how to do all these things. And they're all like, as soon as you wake up, you chug 500 milliliters of water. You get it in you. That's the first thing you got to do. It's like I, I've been doing that for a long time anyway because I wake up and I snort all night, and my throat will be dry. <laughs> so I need to drink the water in the morning, but now I'm – pounding at least a bottle of water as soon as i wake up in the morning there i respect it so i think i'm on i'm on bottle three right now wow and it's what it's 9 a.m in the morning yeah i'm on bottle three right now i'm rolling wow. some days i just some days i love water like i'll just crush water and then some days I, i'll go i'll be bad i will only have like i won't even finish like the one bottle full that i have in the wow. morning like some days it's bad but mo- but like but some days and i'd say most days i do crush a good amount of water because I, I love this thermo flask, man. This water bottle is so good. Hey, no you free ads. A, well, you have a fancy water bottle, too. Yours is all, yours is like, you got it for your birthday or something, and yes. it does, what, it's got UV lights in it? Yeah, it's got a UV light to clean and filter the water. Wow. Clean the bottle. The only thing it's missing cool. is if it could, like, make it cold, you know? Yeah, like I mean, UV it, it does a pretty good job of keeping it cold, but mm-hmm. it does. it's not like one of those ones that... It's like, yeah, for 48 hours, your well, water will be cold. that's the thing with this one. You can, you can put one ice cube in here. It'll be there at the end of the day. That you it's know what wild. that'd be good for? 
Baseball tournaments. Yeah, that's oh, true. that was the worst part about baseball tournaments is how warm your water would get. Oh, oh no, you just break. No, you you'd freeze like two two liters of water. That's what I did back in the day. I didn't. Couple two liters of Sprite, freeze them overnight, put them in your baseball bag. You're good the next Sprite? day. Sprite? You were drinking Sprite? No, I was. It's a Sprite bottle. Clause. Oh, I, I okay. obviously did. Yeah, I was drinking Sprite back then, but I wasn't drinking it by the four That's liters. What I every meant. Day. I was like, you're drinking Sprite. No, it's just this would have been no middle middle of the two thousands back in the day when water bottles weren't as advanced, and you would just fill up a two liter back in the day, an old two liter. Yeah, and I don't if you did it this. with Sprite, it was almost like you're having a lemon in your water, you know, like you're at a fancy restaurant because there's a little bit of that back flavor behind water in bottles the Sprite. Have been advanced for most of my life. Yeah. I didn't never went through the time when water this, bottles were in advance. So I was uh, I was listening to Halford and Bruff on the way in, and Halford mentioned that he made a Napoleon Dynamite joke, which is like that movie was incredible when I was like a yeah. teenager and it came out, and it was like it was so different from any other like comedy that came out. But he said he made it to his his kid, and his kid had no idea the reference. He was like stealing the tots uh, or saving some tots for later or whatever it was uh, in the Napoleon Dynamite quote. And he was like, oh, yeah, the kid didn't get it all. How old were you? Like, I got to ch- I'll have to check when Napoleon Dynamite came out. But when did you like, have you seen Napoleon Dynamite first? I have. I watched it in grade seven. We watched it in class. You watched it in class? Yeah, we watched it in class. Was it like a um, it was like end of grade seven? And I think my teacher was just like, ah, whatever. You're all going to high school anyway. And so it came just, out in 2004. Yes. Hmm. That actor, John something. John Heater? Hater? Sure. Yes. I was yeah. going to say ham, but that's the skip the dishes guy. Yeah. Um, we don't talk about skip the dishes here. Oh, you're right. Bunch of trash. I tell you, you order <laughs> skip the dishes, take an hour and 45 to get to your okay, door. Okay, okay, easy. You're going to get us a libel case. <laughs> well, I've, I've had that experience exactly, so. <laughs> oh, Can't my get gosh. a libel case for speaking the truth, can you? Okay, anyways. Anyways, uh, what I was going to say, also in bench warmers, that guy. Yep. No, what else he was really good in? Blades of Glory. Oh, yeah, Him yeah, and yeah. Will Ferrell, that's yeah. a great movie. That is a great movie. Okay, we've got a lot of Canucks talk. We're nearing the 10-minute mark, which means if we go much over, we're going to get some bad reviews. Yeah, of, you Stop s- talking about non-hockey up. stuff. I should check if we got our 200th review because we asked for it on the last podcast. But yeah, Gerald's going to be pissed. So get rolling here into the, uh, the hockey talk here while I check. Yeah, big win. Big win for the Vancouver Canucks, Chris. Hog Pod. I've written it in the outline as the Hog Pod goals and recap the win. So let's talk about the Hog Pod goals. Hey, quickly. We're at 201 ratings. Nice. Thank you to the two people that uh, came through. Nobody wrote a review, but they uh, they you can do the quick tap. You don't have to write it. You just give the mm. five stars. So appreciate that. We're at two. We're over 200 uh, ratings and reviews on on Apple. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Thank Regardless. you to the 200 people. Take a little bit of time out of your day. Like I appreciate the people that did that. This is, okay. this is a fun thing for us to see here. All right. We're passing 10 minutes here. We got to hurry up here. Jeez. Okay. Niels Huglander scores the game-tying goal. Vasily Podkolzin scores the game-winning goal. And then he gives a post-game speech. And I wrote about this for Canucks Army because it was the first thing I noticed. It was almost jarring to hear Vasily Podkolzin speak English. Like... You talked to him at training camp, and I'm sure you've watched the video now. How much has his English improved? Yeah, we didn't speak much English back and forth. He 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 understood what I was saying, but didn't talk a lot of it back. It was good to hear. Uh, obviously, he's kind of forced into being able to, yeah, you know, being forced into speaking English, especially with the guys that he's hanging out with, being like Niels Hugliner, Vasily Podkolzin, according to Bruce Boudreaux. So, yeah, I he thought it was Elias good. Patterson. 
What, what did I say? You said Niels Huglander Vasily Podkolzin is who Vasily okay, Podkolzin well, is hanging out with. People get what I'm freaking saying here. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I, I, that was good to see. I, I, man, I tell you, like, I, <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't in the press box because I fist bumped pretty hard. <laughs> fist pumped pretty hard when Niels Huglander scored that goal. Like, I was very happy for him. Very happy. Like, it was obviously a big game time goal, but. The fact that it was Niels Huglander finally getting an opportunity, like he had chances. He's had chances for a long time. He does whatever people say about Niels Huglander being like not as good as they thought. His defense is a liability. He still creates scoring chances so much, and he doesn't get doesn't really get the goals that he probably deserves because he creates so much at five on five. Does a great job, and to get that goal, like yeah, I I threw threw my fists up in the air pretty hard. I was pretty pumped. Uh, for that Niels Huglander goal. I'm trying to think of a comparable, Chris, because we've talked about this a lot, how he's first in expected goals per 60 on this hockey club, and how he's like 15th or 16th in actual goals for, and how that is really not good. Mm-hmm. And that's not just even among forwards. That's among the whole team, okay? So that's not good, right? We all We all understand that that's not good. I'm trying to think of a comparable where a player, I don't even want to use the term snake-bitten, a player wasn't able to finish, but he was also so young, right? Because I think that's the main thing that people need to realize is this kid's only 21 years old, right? Like when you're that young and you're generating that many scoring chances and your your finishing ability is what's being questioned and obviously the defensive game is important as well. When you're creating that much, you have to assume that as this player continues to progress, right? And you know, sure, he's having a bit of sophomore slump from a actual producing standpoint when he actually starts to convert you're looking at a very good middle six winger are you not like maybe even top six like maybe fringe top six probably never going to be a top line player but a good second liner right if if you look at the canucks needing like depth scoring you don't need to look any further than huglander and pod colson like if that if you're able to to add some players to your group who can be, like you said, for sure top six players. If you're able to down the road have Huglander or Pod Colson or both on your third line as the wingers, you have a third line that's going to be able to produce a lot of offense. And Pod Colson's obviously, I think, growing like Pod Colson's growing at a rate that's I don't want to say like ridiculous and and unforeseen, but it is a point right now where we're seeing like if we had the conversation at the start of the year where we'd be like you know, we had the conversations like, oh, it'd be great to see Pod Coles and get a chance with Horvat at some point this season. Oh, he's going to have to start in the fourth line. Certain people were thinking he's going to start in the AHL, which I thought was ridiculous the whole time. But it has, it, if you look at just like the season as a whole for Pod Coles, and you have to be like very pleasantly surprised with the fact that he's been able to play on lines with JT Miller. He's been able to play on lines with Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat. He's been able to fit in with the top three centers. And I think decently well at times there's definitely been some slumps in pod Colson's game throughout the season but what we've seen over the past few weeks here and, and almost since he got that healthy scratch like he has been really good since getting that healthy scratch and scoring big goals like you look at all of pod Colson's goals they're all game tying or or like taking over the lead goals like he he gets a lot of game winning goals he gets a lot of game tying goals his goals come at big times for the Vancouver Canucks and if you just look at his ability to kind of be able to fit in with each of the top nine lines, top nine and all three of those lines, yeah, he looks, he, ha- you have to think that it's been an impressive year for pod Coles in, in his rookie season, man. Like 
it, it's been great to see. And I think he's playing really good hockey right now. And the release is just, it's so surprising because he never saw that before in the KHL. And now he's got this, this quick release that, man, he's, he's got an accurate shot a lot of the times too. Like that's, that surprised me quite a bit. It's, it's strange to see him not be like so dominant defensively like he was in the KHL. Like that was the best thing about him in Russia was that he was so good at killing penalties, being on a line that wasn't getting scored on. He had one of the lowest goals against per 60 in the KHL. Like this guy was so good defensively, but he just wasn't able to get offense going until that playoff run in his final time, final year in the, in the KHL. And now it just feels like he's really rounded out certain parts of his game offensively. And I think once he grows as an NHLer, that defense is going to start to shine again. So like, if you look at the two and especially after the rookie season that Huglander had, I think a lot of people, you know, you and I probably being in that camp as well, were thinking, wow, like they just found a, t- a top six player in the second round who jumped right in. I think if you look at the two right now, you have to think that pod Colson feels like more of the top six player than a middle six player from what he's progressing in his rookie season already. Absolutely. And you're also seeing him shutting down games, right? Like you're seeing him close out games like last night, for example, and remember, we're recording this on Friday, folks, so no matter when you're listening to this, we're talking about Thursday night's victory over the New York Islanders right now. Vasily Podkolzin was out to close out that game. Not only did he score the goal to put the Canucks ahead, right, but he's also out to help close out that game. You know, I know the the, th- the trio that Bruce Boudreaux went with was Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, and Bo Horvat when the net was empty. But shortly before that, like, you didn't see Nils Huglander on the ice. You saw Vasily Podkolzin. Yeah, final minute, final five minutes, he got a couple shifts. Exactly. Yeah. And that says a lot about his progression as a player, right? So Also, props to, to Boudreaux. How did you see, like, how quick the shifts were? With, yep. like, six minutes left, they were rolling, like, 30 seconds tops. Yep. I know that it was kind of like a dump the puck in and change kind of thing, which isn't great because you'd like to sustain a little bit of pressure even when you're up by one. It's just good to have the puck in the offensive zone. But they were dumping and dumping and changing pretty much the whole yeah. last five minutes of the game. And, and they were rolling through lines, which is good. Keep those guys fresh out there when you're defending a one goal lead. But I guess you'd like to see a little bit of a push, but you know, it worked out for them last night. So you can't really knock them for it. We've got a clip of B- Bruce Boudreaux and his honesty. Cause you just brought up Bruce Boudreaux. So I think that's a perfect segue. Do we want to quickly do the Huglander one? Is that what you want to do first? Here? Well, I, let's, let's do the honesty first. Cause I want to talk about that Huglander Pedersen Garland line as a whole. Right, because that line. What was their Corsi last night? I saw you tweeted it. It was in the nineties, was it not? Um, no, their Corsi was like sixty something, but their expected goals for ah that's was ninety point nine. Yes, like so that line ridiculous amount of expected goal control. That line was very strong, right? And I just want to point out, like everybody is talking about how Elias Patterson is certified hot right now with the way he's playing, right? The points in the games. I think it was eleven points in six games, and then he had that one game against New Jersey. Minus three on the night, no points, right? And Boudreaux kind of talked about, and we have the clip here, about how he needs to play with guys who can finish. And he definitely accomplished that by putting him with Niels Huglander and Connor Garland the next game. Petey sometimes is playing really good, and one of the guys on that line isn't. So I, I got to, it's it's difficult sometimes. You, you want to put him with the... When he's your maybe your second best offensive player, you got to try to find guys that uh, can finish for him. I mean, last game and I thought he played okay was Chase on, but he had four golden chances, all set up by Petey. And we need guys at that point that hopefully can finish. 
So some honesty from the coach, right? And I think that's the thing we've realized about Boudreaux is that he's very honest with his players, right? Like, you know, when we talk about Boudreaux and when you hear about Boudreaux from industry contacts, from players, he's a player's coach, right? Like, that's what he's known as, is a player's coach. But he's brutally honest. We would never hear that from Travis Green. <laughs> no, not at all. Like, calling a guy by name and, you know, he, he even prefaced by saying, you know, I thought he played okay, but Chason had four golden opportunities set up by PD and we need guys who can finish. That's, that's a brutally honest answer and it's exactly what fans want to hear. I got a few messages from people asking, saying, can you please ask Bruce Boudreaux why Pedersen is playing with Chason? And honestly, Chris... If it happened for more than one game, I was absolutely going to. I was a hundred percent going to ask, and not you know, I'd find a nicer way of asking. But that's insane. Like, well, yeah, he answered the question, and yeah, you mentioned like the, those chances that happen for Chase on. He puts what three of like puts two or three of them right into the chest of the goaltender, <laughs> yeah. and misses the net on the other two. So and yeah, it's, it's not even Alex Chason's fault. Like I know we dump on Chase on quite a bit, especially on this podcast, but like. Jason's not meant to play with Elias Pettersson. That's not not. why he was signed in Vancouver, right? And I I understand. Actually, I don't understand. I think Phil DiGiuseppe should get a shot over Alex Chason in his lineup right now. I don't think it should be Huglander coming out. And obviously, you're not going to split up that fourth line with Lamico, uh, Mott, and Highmore. You're not going to split that up. Bruce Boudreaux's never going to split that line up. Think about the the game on Thursday, though. What do you remember from Alex Chason? Exactly. What do you remember from Thursday night's game from Alex Chason? The only thing I remember about Chase on in that Thursday night game was like, oh, he's out there on uh, the second power play unit. That's exactly. the only thing I remember. And he like swung the puck around the boards one time to a defenseman. Exactly. And I think that's a better better opportunity for Phil DiGiuseppe. I think it's one that Phil would run with if he's given that opportunity. So honestly, I think, you know, again, not to critique the lineup too, too much, you know, it's champagne problems, I guess, but I think Phil DiGiuseppe should be given a shot in this lineup, and I think it should be at the expense of Alex Chason. Yeah. I think he should be the one to come out of the lineup. But let's talk about that Huglander, Pedersen, Garland line, because they've played well, Chris. They played extremely well in that game. And now, Boudreau talked about what it could mean for Nils Huglander to score that goal, right? And, you know, kind of the confidence that'll come with that. So here's Bruce Boudreau talking about Nils Huglander scoring that goal. Uh, you know what? And, and, uh, I just think that's going to do wonders for him. I hope, um, you know, getting the monkey off your back type of scenario. I mean, uh, there was a shift before they had it and, and they almost fanned on it. It just went to the corner and I'm going like, he's, he's just grabbing that stick so tight and, and to get a, a you know, it was a great feed by Garland and um, to put it in, I thought uh, really lightened his mind. If, if that makes any sense. Right. Lightened his mind. I like that. Lightened his mind. I think, and he's absolutely right. Like, that's what you need for confidence for a player, right? Like, that's exactly what you want to see is a player who has been certified sneak bitten actually convert on a chance. It's going to do wonders for his confidence. Again, Nils Huglander's first goal since January 1st. Yeah, it was good. I, like I said, like, <laughs> obviously, it's a huge goal. It ties the game in a game that you really didn't want to, like, get away from you, uh, especially after, like, I feel like the Canucks had a way better first 40 minutes. Uh, than the Islanders did. And you could just you could see the shot totals at the end of the game. The Canucks severely outplayed them, I thought, and spent a lot of time in the offensive zone. So to get the game time goal from a guy who's been yeah, slumping offensively, uh maybe even defensively of all, just not in not playing up to his potential, I guess would be the way to say it. And and Boudreaux mentioned it, like that's gonna do wonders for his confidence. Uh, you there's a similar situation to what just happened down in the AHL. 
So Danila Klimovic scored an empty net goal like at the end of last weekend. And it was like, he celebrated so hard. <laughs> like Klimovic hasn't scored in a long time. Uh, and he scores this empty net goal, his fifth of the year. And everyone like on the bench was howling. Like they were laughing so hard because Klimovic celebrated so hard. It, they are, they were already up two. this goal, like put them up by three. So like <laughs> the game was already over, but the fact that Klimovic got the, the puck and got that empty net goal, he celebrated like crazy, huge fist bump, big scream. Everyone on the bench is going crazy. And then the next game comes and Klimovich forces a turnover, gets the puck in the, in the slot, scores another goal. Like the, these things that this confidence talk is like, it, it really does mean something. It means a lot for an athlete to feel confident in themselves. And when you're doing all the right things in your mind and things aren't going your way, it, it, it does wane on you. Like it, it makes your play. I don't want to say it takes away all of your confidence, but it definitely like when you're not getting the results, it just hurts your your overall thought process of what you're doing in each game. Like, are you holding the stick too hard? Are you trying too much to have the perfect shot? And I think with Huglander, that was a little bit of the problem. He was taking that extra second. He was trying to go too far in the top corner. He missed the net a lot of the times, like in tight, or he just just waited too long. And and that goal that he scored. Garland makes a great pass. Like, yeah. what a great pass from Connor Garland. That line, man, I, I think that line's going to have a little bit of a run together because I thought it was interesting to watch, like, the puck possessors in the offensive zone for that line were all Huglander and Garland. Like, did you see, even on the goal, you could see Pedersen's, like, working hard in front of the net, like, battling with guys in front of the net. Yep. He did that a lot. Like, a lot of the time, it was Garland, like, swinging around the corners, holding onto the puck, doing his little back-and-forth swifty whatever moves that he does, his spin moves. Huglander would jump in there and carry the puck and skate around. But the whole time, like, you're just watching Pedersen, like, battle with a guy in front of the net. And, like, then he gets some space and finds some area for Pedersen to get a shot. But when when those two guys are out there playing with Pedersen, they're two of the better players of of rolling through a cycle and I liked I liked what happened with that line I hope that they stick together for a little bit because it's it to me it sets up Pedersen to like I don't see I don't want to say drag Pedersen into the fight because I think he's doing that to himself right now like he is involved in every shift that he's on but when you play with Garland and Huglander and you're in the offensive zone that much those guys do a lot of the dirty work and if Pedersen's willing to commit to doing like a different type of dirty work and working against defenders and finding space, you know, creating havoc around the net, it's going to really set up a good situation for that line offensively. And I like that trio. I hope that trio gets a little bit of a run here. As soon as we're back and we're not going to be back in the room anytime soon, but we're in the media room. So players kind of walk by us and you do have a chance to ask them stuff off the record. I'm like, I think I have to ask Elias Pettersson this because I'm 99% sure that for a second it looked like he was going to go grab the puck for Huglander after Huglander scored the goal. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> no, I don't it, know. It, it looked like Pettersson was going to grab the puck, which would have been so funny. That would have been hilarious. So I think I have to ask him that off the record, and then we'll see uh, if I can get an answer. And from hey, him. quickly about these young players, too. Was it Pod Colson's 10th yesterday? Yes, I believe so. So his 10th, and I think Huglander's 8th. That's nice little depth scoring from very young wingers. And just before we close out here and go to break, I just want to mention that this really stresses the fact because we've heard all these all this talk about well, you need draft picks still because you need guys coming in who can make an impact on ELCs. This is a great example, right? Like these kids are setting an example of why you need that, right? Because you know this is depth scoring that's going to potentially grow into regular top nine forwards, right? But 
right now you need them to be producing on ELCs, which is what they're doing. And that's exactly what you need if you're the Vancouver Canucks, especially moving forward as they move into their competitive window. We'll take a break here. On the other side, we're going to get to our poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods, of course. And then it's basically all trade talk because, Chris, there is a lot to talk about. So keep it locked. Keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. And before we go any further into the episode, want to give a shout out to Parallel 49 Brewing. You guys can find Parallel 49 Beer all across BC and Alberta. And right now we want to give a quick shout out to the Unparalleled Pack featuring four of the P49 favorites. The Trash Panda, the Filthy Dirty, the Jerkface 9000, and the Hillbilly Ninja. My favorite of the four there, the Jerkface 9000, the Pink Can. Something good about those cans there at Parallel 49. So go out and try them. You can find them in most liquor stores across BC and Alberta. And a massive thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Canucks Conversation Podcast. Speaking of which, Chris, it is now time for our poll question. And people people really liked this when we talked about pork rinds ahead of the poll question because we want to talk about our sponsor, Atlas Goods. You can go to atlasgds.com and use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order. Folks, these are pork rinds like you've never had them before. I dislike pork rinds. Both of us, I think, said that we disliked them when we we were very skeptical when we got this, but these come in a little pellet form. Pellets, yep. They... They're very small, and they come in a little bag, so it's not like you, you have a huge tub of pork rinds like my dad used to. You've got them in a little bag and then you throw them in either the microwave or the air fryer tell you what in the air fryer i put it with a little pretzel sticks last night that is an elite combo so go check out atlasgds.com use promo code cc15 to get 15 percent off your first order they are the best fresh pork rinds that you can get folks show up as little pellets you throw them in they pop right up like popcorn pretty much local company so local supports local folks What's this year you're, you're you're calling them pop rinds is that what they're actually called they're called pop rinds yeah okay yep. that makes sense because they pop up like popcorn. yes it's pop rinds by atlas good so atlasgds.com go check them out our poll question today how many trades will the canucks make before the trade deadline good question chris you wrote this the options are zero one Two or more, and as always, I'm angry. Chris, your thoughts? Yeah. I voted two or more. I'll go first because I, I know I kind of threw you on the okay. spot there. And you know what? The listeners agree with me. 70% say two or more. 18% say one trade. 5% say zero. And 7% say I'm angry. 70% of the votes say two or more, and I'm with them. Really? Yep. I'm. I think I'm more in the one camp. I don't... Really? Yeah, I, I know that the conversation around Yaroslav Halak is kind of heated up, and we've seen some reports now saying that Halak is more open to waiving his no move. But to, maybe, like I just wrote an art, this article is going to come out; uh, it'll be out by the time the podcast out about Yaroslav mm-hmm. Halak. But I was saying, like, I don't think it even matters what return you get for Yaroslav Halak. The more the more important thing is getting that one point two five, potentially one point five, if he plays well through the end of the season, off the books next next year but does a does a team that's competing for a stanley cup next year or this year obviously because that's a team that's going to go for halak are they willing to like take that 1.25 million dollars next year on a team that already like is does halak provide that much value i'm not sure like i think the canucks have to hold on to 50 percent. so he needs to be a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar cap hit for the playoff team this year but i do think that 
I just think that the the money is going to be too much next year for a team to really want to take him. Like, yeah, I, I looked at some teams that might have some interest. I I wondered about the Vegas Golden Knights. I wondered about obviously the Edmonton Oilers, and like those are a couple options. But I'm just curious. I don't think that the cap hit is going to be worth it. I don't think the Canucks are going to be able to trade Halak. I'd be impressed if they were. And I'm not even worried about the return. Like a seventh round pick coming back is a good return to me because the big deal is getting that money off the books next year. Yeah. The, the Canucks are going to have more of a cap hit on dead goaltending yep. than they did with the recapture penalty on the long go next year. Cause they're going to be paying over three point. They're going to be paying at least 1.9 for this, for the uh, bio to Holtby and then at least 1.25 on Halak next year. They're going to have more dead cap than they did with the recapture penalty. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? How about that? How about that? That's tough because if it's like this is the next year is the first year we don't have to worry about the Luongo recapture penalty. Now you actually need to worry about a bigger problem from your goaltending for cap wise. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That is like I, I I know I shouldn't find humor in this, but you know we talk about the GM's middle fin- final middle finger to the organization or just final you know without a doubt proof that he was in over his head as a GM. And you see, saw with Peter Shirelli, obviously it's the Miko Koskinen contract. But for Jim Benning, it's either Tucker Pullman, like there's two here, it's either Tucker Pullman or the Halak and Holpe thing. And also, might I add, this isn't all on Jim. So as you would, as you would say, I am keeping it to a thank you, Jim, right now. Because we talked about the Halak situation. You have an article up on Canucks Army Saturday morning. This will be out about the Halak situation, you talk about how a lot of it was created by ownership not wanting to pay for a third-string goalie last year, right? Yeah. Like, putting Mikey DiPietro on the taxi squad all year not only hurt DiPietro's development, it also contributed to the Canucks ending up here. Like, the Canucks got here partly because they had no clue what they had in DiPietro. Yeah. And al- now... Also, also on the goalie talk, like, next year... Is is to me like I feel like this year was different, but the year before they kind of had to get Holby, right? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you still didn't know if Demko could be a starter. But now you're so confident in Demko that I think you can. I'd still call it like it's somewhat of a risk to go with Spencer Martin next year as your backup. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But you're willing to take that risk because of what Demko's proven to you now. But you mm-hmm. you did have to make somewhat of a different move before because you didn't know. You didn't know what like a workload was going to be for Demko, but he's really looked good. Listen, like you can say that, oh, but they need a backup in case Demko gets injured so they can still make a push for the playoffs. Like, yo, if Demko gets injured next year for a long time, yeah, no. the Canucks ain't making the playoffs, man. I'm sorry. No. They rely on Demko too much. And that's, yeah, exactly. And you even brought this up on the last podcast that goalie's a part of the team, but you know, let's be honest here. This team isn't going anywhere if Thatcher Demko gets hurt. And that's not even a, like, that's a small slide on the team, I guess. But it's not the player's fault. It's the roster construction. It's not their fault. When you look at the best player on your team and it's your goaltender, it does make a difference if he goes down. <laughs> exactly. Because he's the Canucks' best player. Yeah. He was the Canucks' all-star. And he probably will be an all-star moving forward. Would you say that Demko might be an all-star more than Pedersen and Hughes over his career? Uh, like, because he's... I mean, I guess with goaltenders, it's kind of tough because like there are times where goalies just fall off, and I don't think Quinn Hughes or Elias Patterson is going to fall yeah, off like exactly. goalies do. But you look at like over the next few years, I would bet on Demko being that guy. Yeah. Being the all-star. I mean, if the NHL changes their format, all three of them will go. Yeah, that's but true, too. If as, as long as Jonas Donskoy or Jordan Eberle, whoever went for the Kraken, 
as long as those guys still get to go, I don't yeah. think I don't think it's going to be a conversation. Okay, back to the poll having. question though. Yeah, I, well, the poll question. Yeah, so I say there's two, and here's the thing: is there's a give lot me some of rumors names. Who do you there. think are the two? So Brock Besser right now, folks, is the guy that it looks like the Canucks are trying to move because. Jim really? Rutherford over and top of Alvin. Tyler Mott? No, listen, listen. Patrick Alvine and Jim Rutherford have both talked about creating cap space, and okay. it really looks like they want to do that by moving out Brock Besser. It really looks like that's the case. I've talked to a few people uh, around around the league and you know different kind of sources and all that stuff, and a lot of them get the sense that the Canucks are going to move Brock Besser. I don't know if it's going to happen at the trade deadline. don't know if it's going to happen in the offseason. It's more likely to happen at the trade deadline. But again, it depends what team you're talking to, right? Like, if we're talking about a non-playoff team here, they're in no rush, right? So they're going to wait and see what happens. But the big thing is that JT Miller has effectively played himself out of trade talks, right? Like, his play has been so undeniably good that this team has gone, well, hold on a second here, like... Not only do we not know what we want to do with JT Miller yet, if we make a trade right now, it could have drastic impacts on us. Like, they don't know what they want to do with JT Miller yet, and they recognize that they are not in a position to be forced into moving JT Miller. Like, it's not like we got to move this guy. We're going to lose him for nothing in free agency. JT Miller's agent talked today. I believe this came from Rick Dollywell of Donnie and Dolly, the team on check. Talk today about how they're not going to start extension talks till the offseason, at least, till the summer. Does JT Miller want to stay here? We'll have to wait and see. And that'll come from the agent, and we'll, we'll get a better sense of that in the summer. But regardless if he wants to sign an extension or not, look, he's still here next year on a very good contract. You can yeah. still move him at the deadline next year, right? And, you know, I, I understand there's a bit of a worry there of, oh, if the Canucks are in a playoff spot, then they're not going to want to move him. And then, you know, then what are you looking at in terms of having him walk as a UFA? All of a sudden, you're looking at a Jim Benning-esque situation where you don't move a player, and he, a player who had a lot of value, don't don't get it twisted, JT Miller probably is the most value of anybody on the trade market right now, leaves for nothing, right? And I think that's a situation the Canucks want to avoid, and rightfully so. So this is all just to say that Brock Besser appears to be the big name that's kind of shifted as being the guy in trade talks, especially over JT Miller, but a name you brought up, Tyler Mott, that's somebody teams are calling on. That's somebody who's a pending UFA. So if the Canucks haven't started extension talks, and as far as I know, they haven't, then you definitely want to be looking at trading Tyler Mott. So he's a guy that I think is very likely. I still think there's a, obviously, Yarrow Halak. John Shannon joined Donnie and Dolly and said that he thinks Yarrow Halak is going to waive his no trade clause, or his no move clause, excuse me. I get that vibe too. If not, just to avoid the sheer embarrassment. Again, Yaroslav Halak family really likes Vancouver, but it's hard to imagine that Yaroslav Halak himself really likes Vancouver at this stage. Yeah, it hasn't been a good run for Halak over the past little bit, but it, like he played good at the start, so I don't know. I I just find it, like I said, like, I don't think a team that's going to be competing for a playoff spot right now, obviously the team that's going to be battling for a playoff spot right now, likely going to be around a playoff spot next year. I just think that... that his value isn't worth. There's like no goaltending market right now. There's like nobody that's looking for a goaltender. And, and even if you are, and that can change quick though. Well, can change very quick. You're right. But even if you are looking for a goaltender, is Jaroslav Halak your target? Especially if you're a playoff yeah. team, right? Like I understand the Canucks haven't played well in front of him, but I don't think there's a lot of NHL GMs there that don't have it at least somewhere in the back of their minds that, whoa, whoa, maybe this guy's washed, right? Like, maybe this guy is just not good anymore. 
right? Like, I don't know how you can't have those thoughts after you see the way Yarrow Halak has played. I'll throw, I'll throw one team out here that I think makes makes sense. Sure. That I didn't mention before. So the Washington Capitals, they have two goaltenders under the age of 27. Yep. Do you maybe want a little bit more of a veteran presence? To me, like, I can see Halak in a Capitals jersey as the backup. Sure. For sure. That's that's the team that like I can see. And then to that point with the Washington Capitals, here's how I think that it could be possible to move on from Halak's money next year and make it fine for them. So the Capitals have defenseman uh, Michael Kempney, who's bounced around between the AHL and the NHL. He's making $2.5 million this year. So even when he's in the AHL, he's costing them one4 he might be a guy that maybe they move back to try and clear up some more space. And if you're only sending back 750,000, like if you're holding half of a lax deal, then they're gaining $1.75 million in cap space for this deadline. So that can actually help them this deadline to add another player, say at a Tyler Mott value, if they're taking back a guy like Kempney. So I think that that's an interesting spot. I think that's where you need to look around the league is like if there's a player in a similar situation to like Michael Kempney is for the Washington Capitals, where it's a guy making two, two point five, three million dollars that the Canucks can just take on that salary and not worry about it. But that balances out, I think, the worth of Yaroslav Halak's one point five next year, because you're giving them another chance to add, like I said, a player of Tyler Mott's caliber who makes, you know, one point seven five. They just cleared up that space moving on from a guy who's bouncing between the AHL and NHL for them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a really good point. That's a very creative option. So there, there's a lot of options out there, right? Like, you know, Stefan Roger wrote an article Friday. Oh, uh, here we go with this. I give you a good point. And you want to bring up freaking Stefan again. <laughs> well, he, he wrote an article about Brock Besser, as he's done quite a bit lately. That's all he does. <laughs> he wrote an article about Brock Besser trying to determine the trade value of Brock Bester and what teams could give it up. And we've basically deduced it to you're getting a first round pick. You're getting a prospect back, or maybe you're getting a higher end prospect and no pick, but it's not the same as what you're getting for JT Miller. Right. But an acquiring team looking to get Brock Bester knows that they're going to have to pay that qualifying offer. Most likely, maybe it's a trade and sign thing. You sign an extension, but the Canucks haven't had extension talks with Brock Besser yet, and I think that's very telling, right? I think it's very telling that, one, the Canucks don't know what they want to do yet at the deadline. Again, keep in mind, this is only two, three weeks away. March 21st is the NHL trade deadline. So the Canucks have to decide fast, and the fact that they haven't started extension talks with Mott or Besser, I think that's very telling. And I think when you just look at all the names in play, Chris, when we talk about Yaroslav Halak, we talk about JT Miller a lot less, but keep in mind... There are still interested teams in JT Miller. There's been, according to Darren Dreger, surprisingly few interested teams. But I think that's mostly because they just know that this is going to cost us an arm and a leg and we don't want to give it up, right? Like, you look at the return that Jack Eichel got. And I know, you know, Leafs fans will be like, oh, he isn't more valuable than Jack Eichel. If you're retaining 50% on Miller... You have a chance to add JT Miller in the twos or the threes. I think we even talked about this on the last episode. Yeah. The Canucks, rightfully so, are demanding a king's ransom for this player right now. Yeah, I can't even imagine them floating the 50% out there yet. Imagine, and I know Nazem Kadri's fantastic, but imagine that the Colorado Avalanche get to add JT Miller into their center depth. Yeah, and that's a team that that's has a powerhouse. Been brought up. Like you, you bring up the Avs. That's a team that's been brought up. Do you think about 
like, and I guess the name that Donnie or that uh, that Dolly, Dolly Wall, Wall and, and Drance. Yeah. So many D's in the market. Yeah, Dolly Wall and Drance. Their article came out, and they said that a source kind of mentioned the name Bowen Byram being one, and that's obviously something that's going to pique a lot of Vancouver hockey fans' interest. The guy who played for the Vancouver Giants was excellent for the Vancouver Giants. Looks like one of the, you know, potentially was the best defenseman outside the NHL. A lot of concussion aside problems. From, aside from maybe Moritz Sider yeah, before yeah. before last year. A lot of concussion problems, though, Chris, and that's what a lot of fans are scared about, right? Yeah, and that, that's true, and... Listen, we've we we know what concussions can do to a player. We have Michael Furlan here and seen that his career had to end because of them. So this is obviously a concern for the well being of the player as as a human and as a person in daily life as well as a hockey player. So you have to wonder with Bowen Byram and and that's a name that like it definitely would be something that I'd be curious to see how it's thrown around. I think Byram like just got back to skating with the Avalanche this year. So it he's been held out for a while now with these concussion problems. So very interesting name, I think in a trade talk with them, but uh, Baron is another right shot defenseman from, from the avalanche that could be involved in a trade. New hooks name has kind of been thrown around there a little bit. They have some options too. Like, man, the, the, I, I understand people saying the Rangers and apparently the Rangers are really in on them. And there are some players like Keandre Miller is a good example. Schneider's another guy that you would like to, yeah. to acquire. But to me, like, if you have no problem trading him to the West and I, I think that there's like, I've been saying for a while, I think there's better options in LA and I think there's better options in Colorado. We haven't really heard LA's name thrown around the mix, but sometimes that's how these trades happen. You don't hear a team come because maybe the conversations that you hear about aren't going anywhere. And then once a conversation maybe starts between the Kings and the Canucks, maybe that's where the deal happens because it's, it feels like the the Rangers have their, their offer and it's not good enough for the Canucks. We've obviously heard that there's some conversations between the Avalanche. We've heard the Wild thrown in there, but we haven't heard the Kings, who have such a big prospect pool and have the position of need like locked down. They have so many right D that that's what the Canucks need. So yeah. I think that that's I still think that the Avalanche or or the Kings, like the Kings is my number one. If you're able to get into their prospect pool, I think that they're a spot where I think that's a team that you want to make a deal with still. But I think the Avalanche might even have a better mix of players if you can get the best deal out of each team i think the avalanche might have a better mix than the rangers do too and that's the thing with the rangers is we talked about how it's gonna have to be a king's ransom if the canucks are gonna part ways with that's JT why you do it with la baby well <laughs> good one actually that was that was a really good one but the rangers are kind of moving on and uh, actually i shouldn't use the word moving on but they're imagining life without JT Miller at the trade deadline. That's their number one target. Don't get it twisted. The Rangers love JT Miller. They would love to add him to their team. They're looking at their next options. And I believe it was Saravalli that said this. The next options are very low on the list. Like the second and third options, there's a big gap between how much the Rangers want Miller and then their second and third options, right? Like, there's a big gap. The name and Tanner Pearson was floated around the Rangers. Tanner wasn't Pearson, it? yeah. Tanner Pearson's in there as well. And again, Tanner Pearson's played some pretty good hockey as of late. But I, I got to say, and I, I'm sorry, I'm totally on board with just trading Tanner Pearson for whatever you can get for him. If you need to clear up cap space, mm. 3.5, if you can get like a fourth round pick for Tanner Pearson, I'm fine with that. You're, you're getting those cap savings. Remember, Tanner Pearson's still here for three more years after this. Yeah, I, I think the thing that's interesting, and maybe some Canucks fans will hear what you just said, be like, ah, oh, but, you know, Pearson's got to be able to get something back. But to me, it's like 
this management group has talked about it. And we said this earlier in the episode. They need some cat. They need some money to be able to play with here. Not only do you need money, but you need guys who are fast. That's what this management right. group wa- wants. Tanner Pearson is not fast. Jim Rutherford's already t- traded Tanner Pearson twice. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I think that. Yeah, it'd be funny if it's the third <laughs> time. But I think that that's another one too. Like, um, it's very pot. Like, they're the thing that I believe is like this management group has the chance to be really busy. I personally don't think it's happening before the deadline, though. I, I, I'd i like to see a lot of movement. I think they know that this roster is not the one that they want moving forward. I just think that some of these deals might have to come in the offseason because it's been a rushed situation for the management group to come in, right? They came in, you know, 25 games plus into the season where Rutherford was the first to join. Now he's assembled, obviously, all of his management staff. But what, that happened in the last month where everything has been kind of fully put together here? They've only had, like basically like six to eight weeks with a full management core to get themselves set up for the trade deadline. I don't know if there's enough time. Like they've been able to work obviously. And I think that you can get trades done quickly, but I I stick with the poll question answer of, I only think there's going to be one deal. And I think it's Tyler Mott before the, before the deadline, because you'd like to see what one of your AHL guys can do. Like whether it be Phil DiGiuseppe or, or Sheldon Rempel or Sheldon Dries or, or even Will Lockwood, if you're really looking to just fill that exact role that Tyler Mott was doing, I think that they want to have a look at one of these guys. They want to evaluate their prospects moving forward. And I don't think like I I'd like to see it happen. Obviously it'd be great. I just don't know if, if the Halak deal is going to work out. I like the idea, like the idea that I presented with Washington is the one that makes sense the most to me for both teams. Cause you're eating a guy's salary. He's not doing anything for them. And, yep. and that kind of maybe balances out the, the bonus that you're going to have next year. That's, that's the only thing I don't think, like, I don't think Besser is getting dealt before the deadline, but you know, what is he? Number five. Now he's moving up five on Cerevalli's trade targets. And and for those, I, I wrote about this, but Cerevalli's trade targets is, it comes from talking to contacts around the league. Like he doesn't just guess. <laughs> like yeah. he's talking to teams. He's talking to teams and figuring out what they're offering up. And that's where things comes from a multitude of sources. It's and not just on, Frank with the vibes. Yeah. Not just Frank vibes, but he's the other thing that he mentioned, like in that article was like, Hey, JT Miller dropped from like being number yep. nine to like yep. 26. Exactly. So the belief that Frank has, at least who is one of the most dialed in guys, especially when it comes to expansion draft picks. But Frank, <laughs> like he know he does talk to some very important people and people that are making decisions, people that are talking to the Vancouver Canucks. And it doesn't sound like Miller is, you know, the fact that he dropped almost 20 spots yeah. on Frank's trade target list and Besser went up in the same amount of time. Yeah, like the, there is some potential there. I just with Besser, it's such a strange conversation because I think Besser is willing. I don't want to say to take a hometown discount, but to not break the bank on his next contract. I yeah. I do really think that Besser likes it here. This is all he knows as an NHL player. He's got good relationships with the top players here. You know, even though you're spewing up drama, he's got a girlfriend now. He doesn't hang out with anyone anymore. Whatever's going on. I didn't say on. that. I didn't That's say what I heard that. on the show. I did not say that. Brock I... Besser now. I, I just think that he will. I think he's going to take uh, not even just a hometown discount, but want to stay in Vancouver much more than a JT Miller would. Yeah, I think. Right? Right. I think Besser really likes Vancouver. But, you know, and I had this conversation. Actually, I shouldn't say with who, but I had a conversation with someone mm-hmm. yesterday. Um and like I, I, 
I think a lot of Canucks fans still hold the belief that, you know, Brock Besser can blossom into a 40-goal scorer. Like, I think there's still some fans that have that belief. But to me, and this is after having this conversation, like, someone really pointed out to me, he's like, he's already 25. Like, I think Brock Besser is likely going to max out at being a really expensive 28 to, like, 35 tops goal scorer in his career. The most he's ever scored in a season is 29. That was his rookie year in 62 games. Do we think Brock Besser can get back to that goal scoring ability? Because I'm not so sure. And not only that, I'm not so sure he's ever going to reach 40, Chris. I, 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 I think there's a lot of Canucks fans that hold that belief. I'm not convinced that Brock Besser is ever going to reach that. He's not the power play number one guy like he was in his rookie season. Exactly. Right? There's other guys who've come in and shown better shots. So like... The belief in his rookie season was for sure that he's going to get 40 because he is the trigger man on the power play. He doesn't have the Sedins feeding him anymore. No, and I found that interesting watching the power play the other day. Brock Besser basically not being used at all. JT Miller on the left half wall, just mm-hmm. not passing the puck down low to Brock Besser in that situation. That's a spot where, like, Besser's looked good as a net front, man. Like, I, I do like that spot. It's just they haven't been able to really use him like they did with Toffoli as, like, a real passing option yet. Yeah, I do think that there's a chance for Bester to still grow in that role and be that net front guy that can move around the ice and, and create havoc because of movement on the power play. But yeah, 40 goals is a lot. That's a lot of goals. I I don't know if Bester ever gets there, but I do think that he's going to be a guy who once he finds his groove can be, you know, the next five years here. I I have to imagine that, you know, three or four of those five years, he's at least around 30 if not over 30 in those years. Exactly, but that, that's what I said, right? I think he maxes out as a 30 So what's the value there? Because well, he's not... Everyone sees the QO at 7.5. That's not what his contract has to be a minimum of. He can sign for lower than that he if he's going on a lengthy deal. Yeah. Like, he can go five years at 6.3 or whatever. He I can do a similar thing to maybe Pasternak's deal. I think that's more appropriate, what you just said. I think you are you can swallow a Besser contract at 6.3. Yeah, because I, I don't think Besser gets more than seven two five on like a any, any contract sort of longer than yeah. four years. Yeah. I don't think he has I don't think he gets more than seven two five. He's got a great agent. Ben Hankinson. Yeah. Ben's great a good guy, guy too. Ben and, is a good guy. But I just think that uh yeah, I do think that there's a chance like Besser coming in at in the sixes, especially if it's under six point five, it could be interesting. But this is also probably the big the big RFA contract that he's going to sign too. So maybe he only wants to go, you know, three years and come out as like a 28, 29 year old free agent. So there's, there's some options. And I think if you go three years, you, you can talk about a deal in the sixes for sure for Brock Besser. Yeah. He hasn't played or shown the potential really to be like a, a for sure. Number one winger. He looks like he has that at times, but it's not like he's done it consistently. No, it hasn't been consistent enough. So I ask you this, Chris, just before we close out here, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, do you sign that contract? The one you just outlined. Three-year deal, $6 million per year. Do you sign that deal if you're the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah. Yeah, you do. You do? Yeah, I think that's a good contract for Brock Besser. For the next three years, at $6 million, yeah. And I think from there, you have to move Miller, though. Like you, And that's that's where I think a, the, the fear comes in for a right. lot of Canucks fans. Is yeah. Well, either that or you you maybe have to move Horvat or, you know, that you have to move one of these big contracts if you want to keep Besser and Miller. You're right. And that's the thing is... 
And it'll be interesting with Horvat becoming a UFA after next year. Well, like that well, conversation is going to grow more. Exactly. And that's what I wanted to say is, you know, we're talking about hometown discounts. If anybody's going to take one, it's Bo. Right. Right. Like Bo is going to take a hometown discount state here. This is the captain of your team. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about loyalty in sports and how there's really not much of it. And we definitely saw that uh, at the after the 2020 bubble. We saw that firsthand. Right. Right. But with Bo, there's loyalty between the organization and Bo himself. I, I mean, I'm not trying to stir up anything, but I wonder how much loyalty is there with Jim Rutherford being at the helm. Well, that's the thing. It's a new management regime there. Their loyalty has just started over the past few yeah, months exactly. here, right? So it'll be interesting. Quick prospects or what? Yeah, hit us with a prospect okay. support. Jack Rathbone. Well, join- sorry, sorry. Okay. One last thing. One okay. last thing I want to say. You about don't want to hear any Jack Rathbone is, stuff, eh? No, I do. But the last thing I want to say about this is the Canucks don't necessarily have to make a decision at this trade deadline of trading Besser or Miller, right? Because Miller's agent did say we can't start extension talks until the offseason, right? right? So if I'm Miller's camp... I am starting extension talks in the offseason because that might be Miller's best chance. Because what, what if he comes out next year and doesn't have a good year right before he's going to UFA, right? And I know right. the chances of that are slim, and I bet anything JT Miller wants to bet on himself that he's going to have a good year. But there has to be some thoughts there of starting extension talks. And then not only... Let's say they start extension talks and Miller doesn't want anything to do with Vancouver, doesn't want to get it done. At least then you know. Right, then you can trade him in the off season, right? And then then you can move on with Brock Besser and you can extend Besser because you're losing Miller. But if you have to decide between the two, you don't have to make that decision at this trade deadline. That's the last thing I wanted to throw out there. That's why I think it's only one trade this That's I don't fair. I don't think that they can Man. Yeah, the more I think about it, I really like that Halak to Washington deal. Yeah, it works. It looks like it, it works, works. It on makes paper. sense and, and money wise the Canucks can eat some this year to have nothing next year. That's the only thing I like. Okay, Jack okay, Rathbone. Okay, prospect port Jack Rathbone. Go Jack ahead. Rathbone. Joining, uh, he's going to be joining on the road trip. Uh, they're on an eastern road swing right now. I've seen Vinny Arsenault. He is treating the boys. They're in Laval right now. Laval, Quebec. And that's, you know, Vinny's backyard. He's he's taking all the boys out. Lockwood's eating, uh, eating good. I've seen the steaks that those guys had the other night. Jeez Louise, those steaks came straight from Alberta. They are big boys. Uh, but Jack Rathbone joining the team on Monday, from what I've understood, he is going to practice with Abbotsford on Monday and Tuesday, and the expectation is for him to play on Wednesday. So we all saw Jack Rathbone take that bad hit in the back. Uh, been a couple weeks now since he's been out, but progress has been good from everything that I'm hearing, and it sounds like uh, Rathbone will be back in the lineup for Wednesday, which is exciting news as they play Laval this weekend, and they're on the uh, onto the Toronto Marlies on Wednesday. So he'll join the team in Toronto on Monday, skate a couple practices, and hopefully get in on Wednesday. Good, exciting news for the Vancouver Canucks' top prospect. I already mentioned Danila Klimovic. Got his confidence back on the empty netter uh, and scored a goal the other night. Was good to see. Gets a shot off. Looking like a you know really progressive uh, season for him when it comes to his growing into the North American game. I think Klimovich has looked, man, better than you could imagine in a similar way to how Pod Colson hasn't blown the doors off, but he's looked good. It's the same thing for Danilo Klimovich with me. He hasn't shocked everyone, but you know, scored two goals in his first two games and has kind of fit in in the AHL. Good, good step in the right direction for Klimovich, and he gets some confidence back with a couple goals. Uh, Jet Wu is expected. He is on the road trip from what I heard uh, right now. I don't know when the return date was, uh, Trent Cole told me on Sunday that it was expected for this weekend. So we might see Jet Wu come into the lineup um, 
I guess Friday or Saturday, depending on how the they might be Friday, Sunday. Anyways, whatever games they play this weekend against Laval, maybe Jet Wu comes back. And a lot of people are asking, what's the situation with Jet Wu? Blah blah blah. You know, he's been injured for a while. He's not healthy, scratched. Uh, hopefully, he gets back in the lineup here because it's it's not been a good season for him, growing wise in the AHL. Uh, even though he's played some good hockey when he is, but he's just been injured so much. Carol Plastic was back in the lineup the other day. Nice to see him back in. He's been uh, dealing with a ankle injury, I believe. Um, so he was out for a long time since I think November 6th. Then he got back in the lineup. Uh, Cull was was happy with him playing. He just thought that he had a pretty quiet night, kind of expected that. But Plastic hopped right in to a top six role, which was kind of interesting there. Um, aside from that, don't really have much update for players around Europe or anything. I, yeah, don't really have much of an update. I think that there's, you know, there's playoffs kind of starting. Um, that situation is kind of happening with Dimitri Zlodiev right now, uh, with what's going on with him. If he's not really playing in the KHL, he's more spending time in the MHL. Their playoffs are starting right now. Lucas Forstell still getting time in the SHL and Jonathan Myerberg still uh, getting some time in the SHL, but not really looking great. We talked to Alexa Potak on the show last week, and she was saying that the minutes are coming for Myerberg, which is good because he's a, a sixth round pick in last year's draft. And he's already playing in the SHL. Good news, but he's not looking great. Um, he looks great in June in the G, J20 league, but Myerberg hasn't looked excellent in the SHL. So there's a little prospect update there. Final thing is I, I just I worry a little bit. Archer Seelovs hasn't played in a long time, man. And, mm-hmm. you know, Abbotsford's rolling right now. They're a team that's, like, getting towards the playoffs here. They look like a team that's going to be able to move up the standings a little bit with how good they've played of late. And that has been on the backs of Mikey DiPietro and uh, Spencer Martin. So Seelovs just has not been playing. DiPietro mentioned that there has been some frustration with the starts that he's had to deal with out there and is how many how much time he's getting out there. But... It's all outside noise, he says, about the situation. He's just trying to play when he gets called upon and play well. And the final thing with, with Di Pietro, I don't know if you saw my tweet. He came out with a yellow Gatorade. I had to ask him about it. Yes, he did. said top-tier best flavor, yellow Gatorade. I don't necessarily disagree. I like the yellow Gatorade a lot. I don't think it's the best flavor, you know but I've I think it's drinking? a good mix. I've been drinking the Powerade strawberry lemonade flavor. That's I got one of those in the car right now for work. The <laughs> nice. pink one? Yeah, yeah, it's good. That's what I got for work. I think that's one of the top tier. The best power it is the power. It's a green ultra. Never had it. It's excellent. I, I, they had. I don't know if they even have them anymore. They had them for a little bit in the summer last year. Hmm. It was okay. like the melon pineapple ultra, and it was excellent. But yeah, I don't know. Like he he said yellow power it, and then like he did, he backed it up hard. He's like number one best power or best Gatorade flavor out there. I said I don't know about that. Some people online were saying, yeah, you, you know, Mikey's bang on here. Some people were saying Mikey is out to lunch. I, I don't think he's necessarily wrong. How would you rank the top? How would you rank the four that come in the mixer pack? There's red, blue, orange, and yellow. Okay, I would go yellow, blue, red, orange. Yellow's number one for you? Yeah, yellow's number one. You're going to talk into your mic. Yeah, no, well, you shocked <laughs> you're so, me there. You were so blown away, you forgot to talk into your mic. Yeah, I think that, I think it goes blue orange yellow red red is by far the worst red I don't is hate red i think red is cough syrup I, I don't, they just I don't put it in the wrong bottle i don't agree red freezies those are cough syrup those taste like medicine. a lot of red well those. a lot of pretty much you, you feel bad for the flavor of cherry because that has yeah. been such a that's such a, a cough medicine flavor you know what i had for the first it's time? hard to find a good cherry flavored thing you know what i had for the first time since i was like nine 
is a Dr. Pepper. Had that the other day. What'd you think? I like it. Dr. Pepper is a, a pretty decent drink. It is. It is. Okay. One of the, we'll, we'll come back. One of these, we got to do another Patreon video. Yes. Yes. Where I test, I need to rank the pops. We've got a lot of Patreon content out there right now, folks. This is a good time to plug it before we close out here. Patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. Five and $10 here gets you all the bonus content. We posted a 10 minute vlog from Edmonton, our trip to Edmonton at the start of February. We finally posted that. We also did a Faber and Quads Shoot the Bleep episode, which was a lot of fun. So go check it out. Patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. Chris, do you have anything else to add before I close it out here? Just trying to think, trying to think. Nothing, nothing really, no. Nothing on the old noggin. So we'll close it out here for my co-host, Chris Faber. My name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 